We're back for another week of the Hoops Years podcast brought to you by NBA 2K22. And if you have a guest, I'm in the best mood I've been in all season long. <laughs> BJ Armstrong's here. Real name, no gimmicks. But we saw lots of gimmicks from certain teams tonight. Yeah, I am, of did. course, Mo Mootsi. And what we're talking about is the Boston Celtics, the greatest franchise in sports history, once again, reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. And... The Phoenix Suns are losing on their way home to Luka Doncic and co. And the Dallas Mavericks, who got the win on the road. BJ, where do you want to start? I'll let you pick because I'm thrilled yeah, with both where, results. Wherever you were. I'm thrilled with both where, results. We've just where, watched. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll take these guys behind the curtain, right? We've just started recording and the Phoenix game has just finished. But BJ's been trying to record since halftime. He didn't even want to watch the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he been texting yeah, me, yo, I'm yeah. like, man, I just got home from the studio. I'm trying to eat my dinner. I'm trying to watch the game. He's like, nah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've seen enough. I'm ready. So let's start with Phoenix. <laughs> because some of my old school followers will know. My old school followers will know. If you just start following recently, welcome to the party. But... You know, I've always had a problem with this point God that they call. Firstly, I don't think any human should call themselves a God. But um, more to the point is that if you were a point God, you wouldn't shrink every time you're in a high pressure situation. Chris Paul has once again. Now, BJ, you, you were there listening to me say this. Was it two weeks ago when we were on Sky TV and they played this long feature about the greatness of Chris Paul and JD was gassing up how good Chris Paul is and he was asking you questions about Chris Paul and then they went into the commercial break and I said guys why didn't you let me talk I wanted to say he's not as good as you're saying great player don't get me wrong an all-time great player but once again he has thrown away a two-zip lead it wasn't just him it was the whole team but he's the leader of the team this is what the uh the fifth time he's gone and thrown away a 2 nothing lead. Obviously, this series against Dallas, they were up 2 nothing. The NBA Finals last year, they were up 2 nothing. 2016, first round against the Blazers, they were up 2 nothing. and lost in the first round to the Blazers. 2013, first round against the Grizzlies. And 2008, against the Spurs in the semifinals. So, you know, 2 nothing leads, obviously, aren't a strong suit for Mr. Chris Paul. And, and we could talk about the numerous choke jobs with the Clippers and the Houston Rockets, but here we are with the 64-win team, the best team in the regular season, you know, anchored by the point guard and the man they called a superstar, Devin Booker, and the number one pick in the draft, DeAndre Ayton, and the, the guy that Chris Paul and Devin Booker were mocking in a press conference after game two, PJ. I don't know if you saw that. They were laughing. When the reports asked them about Luka Doncic's defense, they laughed. Well, guess who's laughing now? The Slovenian wonder kid by way of Real Madrid coming to take over the NBA. Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, the Dallas Mavericks sent them boys back to the Valley. Well, actually, they were already in the Valley because the Dallas Mavericks went on the road to win Game 7 in what I think is the worst blower I've ever seen in a Game 7. BJ, have you ever seen a Game 7 this one-sided? No, I, I haven't, especially by the home team. It what is what are your thoughts? I, I I I really don't. And you know, every now and then, Mo, you 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 see things that you haven't seen before. And this is certainly one of those. I I I'm really at a loss of words for both 
of the games today, game seven. It was really exciting. Game seven, you think they're going to be highly competitive. And, you know, everyone's on their A game. And without being overly critical, you know, you just got to look and shake your head and go, you know what? Um, what can you say? I mean, I mean, I never would have thought that I would be saying three-point shooting would be the deciding factor. <laughs> I mean, Mo, I mean, Mo, I mean, and, and the numbers support that. I mean, Mo, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me to watch the, the, I guess the preparation for these games, you know, it's really hard to, to watch these games and look for people to compete. You, you know, you got to look for people that's going to perform, you know, performance now, seems to be the X factor, well, which was, always has been, I, but it's just, I guess, a new way of doing it. I don't think it was the three-point shooting that gave the Dallas Mavericks the win. It was their swarming defense. In that first half, they were suffocating the Phoenix Suns. They couldn't get anything to go. And that, in turn, led to easy buckets in transition or runouts and shooter spacing the floor and them getting easy three one looks. But that, for me, all started on the defensive side of the ball. But, of course... Here's what it is, 123 to 90, the final score, and uh, an absolutely horrendous night for the Phoenix Suns starting five. Devin Booker scored 11 points. Chris Paul scored 10 points. DeAndre Ayton, five points. Kel Bridges, six points. Jake Crowder, five points. It was horrific. Meanwhile, the Dallas Mavericks, Dinwiddie came off the bench with a 30-piece. Doncic had 35-10-4. Brunson had 24. So it was mainly those three guys doing what they do. But man... This has raised some questions about the Phoenix Suns now, BJ. I feel like we should apologize because the, the two teams we predicted to make the NBA Finals again were both eliminated tonight. Yes, that's that's correct. And, that's and cor- That is correct. I was thinking about this, you know. The whole fun of sports, first of all, is, is when you get your predictions wrong because if you could predict everything correctly, there would be no point in watching the games because you know everything that's going to unfold. So anyway, this Phoenix Suns team, I've realized something. They've never, ever beaten a healthy team in the playoffs. Last year, Anthony Davis was out for the Lakers. They won that series. Jamal Murray was out for the Nuggets. They won that series. Kawhi Leonard was out for the Clippers. They won that series. Then they faced a healthy Bucks team and lost. This year, Zion was out for the Pelicans, and they won that series just about. And then they faced a healthy Mavs team. In fact, not even a healthy Mavs team. They're missing Tim Hardaway Jr. And they lost. So... The playoff credentials of this Phoenix Suns team is looking very, very suspect in the light. You know, I think we've been tricked by that regular season. We have been tricked. But I remember we did an episode on Sky Sports, BJ, where I said that the one issue I have with the Phoenix Suns is their lack of true superstar. Because when it comes to the playoffs, you need a superstar to step up, a.k.a. a Luka Doncic or a Jason Tatum or, you know, a Stephen Curry or whoever. And the difference in the Suns winning or not winning was their superstar in Devin Booker stepping up and really taking over the game. And today he went three from 14 from the field. But the Phoenix Suns just weren't with it from the opening tip. Why do you think that is? They got the home crowd behind them. They've got the experience of a finals appearance last year. They've got guys that have been in multiple game sevens before. I don't know if anyone on the Mavericks, um, you know, obviously Luca's played in game sevens before, but you know, not on that level of a place in the conference finals at stake. Why do you think that the, the Phoenix Suns came out with such a lack of effort and just were discombobulated throughout the entire fixture? I don't think they had a lack of effort. I, 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 don't, I don't even think 
it was a lack of not being prepared for the game. You know, Mo, there, there's a certain amount, there's a, you know, there's a real fine line between confidence and being cocky. There's a fine line in there. And what I suspect happened with the Phoenix Suns team is, you know, they were just a little bit too confident coming into this game. And, you know, Mo, sometimes when you, you get confident, there's a, there's a, it's just a natural tendency to be complacent. And within these games, Mo, and you have to have a certain amount of, it's not fear, but you got to have a certain amount of respect for the opposing team. And Mo, you know, make no doubt about it, Luka Doncic is a great player. And it's one thing I learned about playing against great players and playing with great players. You can't give a great player an opportunity to be great because if you give them that opportunity, more times than not, they will display their level of greatness. That's why they're great players. You know, Luka Doncic had four times, four, to win one game. And it's kind of like you going in and you, every time he went into Phoenix, he learned something. Okay, if I just score 40, 50 points, I can't beat him that way. Then he comes back in game two and he has like a triple double. Then he comes back in game, you know, I think it was game six, game five. And then he learned something. And then he put it all together in this game. He, 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 you just can't allow great players to be great. And I think what you saw was Luka Doncic. When you, when you have a player like that who clearly dominates the series. I mean, he dominated the series. Yes. I mean, he, there was no ifs, ands, buts about it, right? Um, you know, with me, I, I, I would have, have liked to have seen them be a little bit more creative with their defensive looks that they showed him because he was so dominant of a player. You got to give him different looks, it's, try to throw him off his rhythm. The other thing is as well, Mikael Bridges, second in defense player of the year voting. Jay Crowder is there as a wing defender with a big body who's on paper supposed to match up perfectly with a player like Luka Doncic. Cam Johnson, another big wing with a long wingspan. They've got the, the guys there. It's not like they were thin on the wing where they didn't have guys that could match up with Luka. They just got switched off and it was really soft how Luka was just picking out, right, I'm going to go at Chris Paul. No, nope, I'm going to go at DeAndre Ayton. And he was just picking the switches of whoever he wanted to switch onto. And even though just Luca did when he was doing it and Jalen Brunson was doing it and they were just cooking them. Surely there comes a point where you adjust your game plan. Well, you would think, Mo, but again, you, you know, I, I, there's things going on in the playoffs that I just never seen before. Right. I, you know, they, they have a philosophy and it worked during the regular season and I get it. Right. You know, you play and I mean, they had a great regular season. Uh, but sometimes, Mo, when you get to the playoffs, you have to do things a little different. And I would have liked to have seen them trap him a little bit, get the ball out of his hand, deny him the ball, pick him up full court, uh, show him help and recover, show him a switch. And they go to the depth to do it. Yeah. and But, Mo, they, they elected to switch and everyone stay home. I, I, I didn't get it. Like, I, I again, Mo, I... I watched 
you know, the 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 Celtics game, which we're sure we'll get into. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't get it. I, I don't get why you don't show guys different looks. It, well, it's it's mine. Like, Mo, we'll like. Get, we'll get into the Celtics game in a sec. Well, no, I, I mean, here. here You're going to let me finish with the Suns first. <laughs> well, yeah, but I but I, I'm going to let you finish. I, I only Mo, got two quick things to say. Don't worry. Okay, hold up. But I want to say this. If this was Ray Allen or Larry Bird or someone of that caliber and he shoots 18 threes, okay. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Reggie Miller. You get the you get the the gist here. Yeah. How do we allow Grant Williams? <laughs> Okay, let me, let me not that he shot 18 me, shots. You gotta let me he see. He shot these. 18 threes. Hey, hey we'll, we'll get on to the things. I gotta say two things about the Phoenix Suns before we keep it moving. Number one, Devin Booker, who complains about the team mascot being too distracting by the basket, and who complains about people double teaming in the gym in the summertime. I suggest you go to a gym, put some mascots in there, and get double teamed so you can practice to try and win a playoff game. Number two, Chris Paul told Time Magazine last year that he was addicted to playing in the NBA Finals after being there once and throwing away a 2 nothing lead. Well, guess what, Chris Paul? Congratulations. You've beat your addiction. I saw the tweet. I was dying at it. Chris Paul's beaten his addiction of playing in the NBA Finals after just one appearance. He got way too ahead of themselves. These guys from Phoenix was talking all kinds of spicy, and now they're sent back home. Sorry, I just had to get it off my chest. Because I, I, I don't, I don't like the disrespect. Because you see, when they were laughing at Luka Doncic in a press conference after Game Two, we've seen this trend all playoffs, like the Minnesota Timberwolves celebrating way too early. The Phoenix Suns, they were acting like the series is done after winning their two games at home. It's not like they'd even got into Dallas and won a game. They were celebrating after winning two games at home as the number one seed. That's what you're supposed to do. And I just think guys are getting way too ahead of themselves. You got to learn to keep it humble, and if you're good at talk smack, you got to be able to back it up. And these guys, much like the Minnesota Timberwolves, were not able to back up what they were talking. It was pathetic. It was an embarrassing. That was the worst game seven performance I can remember seeing in my entire life. They should be ashamed of themselves. I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know about DeAndre and getting a max contract. I don't know who's going to offer him that after he puts up five points against a team that plays small ball. Are you telling me you can't score Maxi Kleber? Are you telling me you can't score on Davis Bertans? That's outrageous. You are a seven-foot number one pick in the draft. You telling me you can't get the ball on the block? Go to work? Well, it's not like anyone else was hitting shots today. That was outrageous. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with you, except one thing. You know, the, the guy who was supposed to get him the ball yep. was completely out of character, okay? And being a guard myself, I always took responsibility to make sure that I got the ball to the places where they can best operate. Right. It didn't always, it didn't always result in, in assist, but you get the ball to, you know, your, your people can operate. And this is just very disappointing because if there's one thing, you know, about Chris Paul that I've always respected throughout his career is his ability to manage a game. This is as poorly of a job that I've seen him over a series, not just a game or two, that he struggled to manage the game. And I don't know what happened. Like I'm watching the game and it was completely out of character. Like he couldn't distribute the ball. He couldn't initiate the ball. 
He couldn't shoot the ball. He couldn't orchestrate the matchups. They had no flow to the game. So, yeah, it's easy for me to sit here and go DeAndre Aiden. But, look, I I, I know that DeAndre Aiden is dependent on the other people to get on the ball, yep. in particular Chris Paul. And Chris Paul was completely out of character. Now, as I was watching the game, I began to realize what, you know, Coach Kidd and the staff were doing. They were forcing Chris Paul to play with his left hand. And it seems to be a, a huge weakness with how he plays. Now, it's not that he can't dribble with his left hand, but he doesn't pass with his left hand. And if he passes back to the right, he has to either jump or stop his dribble to get the right, to get the right angle. So I, 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 I suddenly realized why Coach Kidd had Reggie Bullock and these guys over him because they were forcing him to throw bounce passes throughout the entire series. Very, very well. I mean, look, this is such, this is why these guys are so good. And then I, I, I just started watching Chris Paul and then I began to realize that they were actually attacking him every time on the floor. And Chris Paul did not throw one overhead left pass back to the other way yep so he they cut off the floor for him and either he never adjusted or the coaches never adjusted but he looked totally out of sync since game two and they were going at him on the other end to tie him out oh no no he he they were going to they were listen that i understood what jason kidd was doing but they were just attacking him wherever he was at. Wherever Let me ask he you this. Let me ask you this because I genuinely want to know. Now, Devin Booker, this is the guy that a lot of people were trying to say is the MVP of the league. He finished fourth in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. If Chris Paul is not being himself and not struggling, if the big man is not dominating on the inside, surely at some point, your what you call a superstar wing needs to step up and take over the game. Why not? Well, that's easy to say, Mo. You know, I, I, I don't get into I don't I don't get into the guy step up. You know what I will get into though is I was a little surprised to watch how the Phoenix Suns, who play team basketball all year, they really have a system of play. I don't recall them playing or seeing them play at any stretch during the season where I saw so many one pass, two passes and a shot goes up or no passes. That to me was completely out of character with the team. It was just, I I was really like, okay, one game they got out of character, but suddenly they went away from what got them to this point, which is ball movement, player movement. They weren't setting good screens. Their bigs were afraid to roll to the basket because Jalen Brunson clearly was going to set, was going to take a charge every single time they hit the slip guy, which mm-hmm. were the bigs, which was JaVel McGee and DeAndre Aiden. Their guys weren't making the right passes for whatever the reason may have been. I, I, I know why Chris Paul wasn't because he, he couldn't make that pass. But what I didn't understand was suddenly 
they went away from uh, not Cam Johnson, but uh, Cam Payne, Cameron Payne, and they put Devin Booker at the point guard position, okay, which presumably was going to give them a better matchup. But the matchup was they were going to switch no matter what. Like, they weren't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, it, it was like, it was one thing after another. Now, a lot of times, well, a lot of times with, with this, what ends up happening is when you're making shots the way they were making shots, it could really deflate a team because when the, when the other team figures out you can't stop them, and Luca figured that out early in the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he figured that out. He was like, I don't care what they do. They can't stop me. And because they couldn't contain him at all, that confidence just spread to the rest of the team. Because Spencer Dinwiddie couldn't make a shot. Well, he made a couple. He made maybe well, one he, or two he shots did tonight, more than you but, and I made. But, but before in the series, he was cold. He, he was, yeah. And, but Spencer Dinwiddie, then, you know, all of these guys just started making shots. Now, this kid, Jalen Brunson, he's a tough little kid. Mm. Okay. Uh, but you could see his confidence was growing. But this all started because of Luca, and Luca figured it out, and then it just spread out through the rest of the group. Well, one thing I'm seeing from the post game is someone asked Deon, uh, um, asked why DeAndre Ayton only played 17 minutes and zero minutes in the fourth quarter tonight. Monty Williams said in the most stern voice he's ever heard him use, "It's internal." I don't know what that means. If he was injured, if there's some sort of drama going on, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. But it was all types of dysfunction out there. But anyway. Let's keep the good vibes going because we saw my European brother, Luka Doncic, ball out in those new Luka ones that are dropping from Jordan Brown very soon. Wink, wink. And uh, keep it moving for game, oh, game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Celtics and the Bucks. Before we do that, though, BJ, um, we do have to say this to our listeners, our, our amazing audience. Uh, today we did a game on Sky Sports. And a lot of you guys, if you live in the UK, you tuned in and watched it. And if you enjoyed what BJ and I have to say about the NBA and you enjoy listening to our commentary, you can actually watch the games with us for the conference finals. You will be able to talk to us during the game and listen to us commentate throughout the conference finals. We'll be doing it for about five games. So keep an eye on my Twitter because I'm going to put the links out. And you're going to get more info and you're going to be able to come and join us for full commentary, not just during the timeouts. We're going to be doing the whole games. So that's just one to keep your eyes peeled for, because in those games, you're going to see the world famous Boston Celtics who defeated the best player in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks in game seven tonight. And that was quite a convincing win as well. Now I feel bad, BJ. I feel bad. I feel amazing for the Boston Celtics, but I feel very bad for Jan Sanstokumpo. No help whatsoever. Nada. Nothing. Not from his teammates and not from his coach. But before we talk about the Bucks, we do have to give some credit to the Boston Celtics who took this series to seven games, closed it out, after winning game six on the road in Milwaukee, which was huge because Milwaukee won game five and 84% of teams who win game five go on to win game seven. So shout out to the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, a true superstar. I don't think we got to do a podcast discussing his 46 point performance because that was on Friday night and we didn't do the podcast on the weekend. 
a true superstar performance from Jason Tatum to send his team to Game 7. And then what really stood out to me, I broke it down before the game, was his facilitating, making the extra pass, the amount of assists and hockey assists he had, you know, where one pass goes to someone who finds someone else who's open for the, for the time. He stepped up big time. Grant Williams was knocking down shots. Al Horford was a, a revelation on the defensive end against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Marcus Smart was making clutch play, key plays, defensive plays, offensive plays. Jalen Brown was contributing and scoring when he needed to, finding his pockets. Payton Pritchard coming off the bench and contributing. It was a fantastic, fantastic win for the Boston Celtics in Game 7. But yeah, it was another win that Mr. BJ Armstrong was very, very unhappy about. I was watching BJ's face during this game. I think I even uploaded a picture on Twitter of what it looked like in the studio. There was me smiling and BJ and JD looked distraught as Grant Williams knocked down his 403 pointer of the evening and the Celtics lead increased. BJ? <laughs> the world famous Boston Celtics back in the conference finals. Tell me what you made of that game seven. Well, you know, Mo, I, I, I move on and I move on quickly. And that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, but you know what? I always, I look at the game and I go, okay, if you, if you figure out something's not working, then you have, you have to, you know, change up the coverage, so forth and so on. You know, this kid, Grant Williams got up 18 threes. Now, I'm not sure what the game plan was there. And I'm okay with allowing him to hoist up 18 threes. Okay. If that's the game plan. But after he made three, four, five of them, let's figure out how to change the game plan. Well, he started off quite cold. He hit one, missed four, and then caught fire. Okay. But again, okay, when you get to the principles of a sound offense, The principles of a sound offense is if you shoot the basketball, that's a form of penetration because it allows you, along with your teammates, to get the offensive rebound. Now, if you're not turning the ball over or you're shooting a contested shot, that means that's a form of penetration. That's just the principles of a sound offense, and that, that applies to every basketball game play, whether it's in the park Game seven, game one, regular season, postseason, what happened? Now, the man got up 18 uncontested shots. That's a problem, Mo. This is game seven. Not for me. Okay, that's a problem. Now, <laughs> when, you're, when you're playing and you're coaching in a game, you have an obligation to give yourself an opportunity and a chance to win. You know, Mo, if you're going to play in a game seven or you're going to play in the playoffs, you have to defend. And after that great defensive possession, you have to rebound the basketball. Okay. The one thing I can't do is give up uncontested shots on the defensive end. That's just... Well, that's just well, well, after watching the Milwaukee Bucks ever since Mike Budenholzer took over, their defensive philosophy is to seal off the paint, allow nothing easy inside, seal off the mid range, and force teams to shoot 
above the break threes, which means if you don't know what that means, it means three pointers from anywhere above 45 degrees on the three point line. So at the top or around the curve bit at the top. What surprised me is in this series, they were also giving up corner threes. Now, you might think why, and I said this on TV and, and a lot of people are confused. The corner three is the easiest three-point shot. It has the shortest distance to go in and players shoot the highest percentage from there. Think about someone, for example, PJ Tucker. You know when PJ Tucker catches the ball in the corner, the chances of that shot going in are a lot higher than anywhere else on that three-point line. Same with a guy like Grant Williams. Him catching that in the corner is a much higher percentage shot than him catching it there. So I was very surprised. I wasn't surprised that the Celtics were getting up a lot of threes. That's what the Milwaukee defense is designed to do. But the location of the three-pointers is somewhat surprising to me. Okay. That sounds great. And I would love to think that as a player that I could calculate that that fast during the game. However, when teams make adjustment, which clearly they made an adjustment, how did they do it? They would put the... They would put Brooke in the screen and then they would relocate to the corner. So instead of doing pick and pop, they would pick and relocate. Simple adjustment during the course of the game. Like this is what I'm saying. Like, okay, great. People do things a certain way during the regular season. In the playoffs, we will have a counter to the game. Okay, here's a counter. We will pick and we will relocate. There is no coincidence that Al Horford and Grant Williams were getting to the corner. Clear game plan by the coaches. Okay. All right. Wow. Now, once they make a move, guess what we have to do? We have to adjust to the move. Now, I get it. They are going to rim protect. I get it. They're going to cut off and and contest all shots at the rim. I get it, what they're trying to do. But give the other team credit, too, for saying, we recognize your defensive principles, and we're going to counter that to see if we can impose our will on the game, which they did. Now, you and I saw it. I'm sitting here going, okay, we're down 10, we're down 20. How much longer do we have to watch before one game goes by, two games go by, Al Horford has a 30-point game? How many games do we have to go by before we can say they've made an adjustment? So, well, seven games go by. Seven. Well, BJ, I, I spoke about this. No, 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 no. Hold on. Seven games go by, and then nothing changes. That's just unacceptable. Now, I'm not arguing it doesn't work. I'm not arguing that if the team doesn't adjust or the the other team doesn't see it. Okay, great. Clearly, the Celtics saw it. Clearly. Who shoots 55 threes in game seven? Someone who's wide open from three-point land. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's the only way. It, okay. no, no one, no one is trying to shoot 55 threes, but if you're going to give me if them, you, I'm going to let it fly. Okay. No one goes into a game saying we're just going to rely on, on, on 50 plus threes to win a game seven. I'll, I'll tell you like this. 
I would never go into my kitchen and cook 55 chicken wings. I would never go to a restaurant and order 55 chicken wings. But if you put 55 chicken wings in front of me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat 55 chicken wings. And that's okay. what the boss is selling. So, with their three point shots. They're handed to them on a plate. Now, if they don't score a three and you don't score three, the score is still zero, zero. But if they score three and you score two, one oh for them. Last time I checked, Bo, there was a 54 point difference okay. in the three point shooting. You would think with all of this analytic stuff that we're watching now that someone would have whispered <laughs> and said, hey, coach. Okay. We okay, might okay. want to go. Okay, we I, might. I, I say this. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm I, not I, saying. I'm. I'm not saying. You might want to win. Like, hey, coach, maybe, just maybe. There was a 54 point difference. Yeah. In the three so, point shooting, so, it's mathematically impossible okay, to win a game. Hear me on this, okay? So, first of all, first things first. Before we did this show, BJ, so if you are listening to this and you're one of my old school fans, you will know my agenda with Coach Boonholzer. He is anti-adjustment. Yeah, Except for last year, before that, the four season previous, he would never adjust. Last year, he did a great job. But this year, for some reason, he's reverted back to his old habits of not making any adjustments. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is even though there was a 54-point differential in the three-point shooting, there was, a, there was a point in this game, it wasn't like the Phoenix game where they were down 40 for the whole time. In this game, game seven against the Celtics, there was a time where Jason Tatum picked up his fourth foul, went to the bench for like eight minutes, and the lead was only 10 points. That is where you make your run. The other team's best player is now on the bench. You're only down 10. We've seen teams come back from way more than 10-point deficits. But with Tatum out of the game, they still couldn't make a comeback. In And in fact, the lead actually grew while it was on. So it's not like it was a 54-point difference in points. It's despite you not being able to hit a three and the opposing team hitting tons of threes, you were still within three or four possessions. And it was still very winnable at that point. But if I was coaching the Milwaukee Bucks, now not to say that I am a, as good as any NBA head coach, because clearly I'm not. That's why I'm here, not doing an NBA head coach job. But here's what I would have done. First of all, I would have taken Grayson Allen the whole way out of the game. He was useless with all due respect in this game and for most of the series. He was getting targeted on defense and on offense. He couldn't hit his shots. I would have instead put in Javon Carr because you can see his impact in the previous series. He picks up the ball handler at 94 feet. I would have had him on the court, giving full court pressure to whoever has the ball in their hands from the Celtics. Three-point shooting-wise, he might have even hit more shots than Grayson Allen. The other thing I would have done is I would have put Brooke Lopez on the block, especially in the minutes where Giannis is resting, because the Celtics were playing small. They were playing Al Horford, who was matching Giannis's minutes. So when, he went, when Giannis went out of the game, Al Horford went out of the game, and they had Daniel Tice because Time Lord was injured, or they just had Grant Williams, I would have put Brooke Lopez on the block and posted him up. Because Brooke Lopez played for like 10 years in New Jersey and was an all-star by being a post-up back-to-the-basket player. Instead, you got him camped out on the three-point line, trying to hopefully hit a three-point shot with a man closing out to him. Those are just two of the little things that I would have even just tried. It might even just be worth trying them. So I can understand your, your frustrations, but BJ, well, you... No, I'm not frustrated. Listen, I'm not frustrated because, look, I don't, I don't like to make excuses. Well, I think the Bucs fans I don't like to make excuses. 
Well, no, I don't think the Buck fans, they can't be frustrated. Why? Why can't they be frustrated, right? We can we can all be upset because, you know, you, you, and I say we, but, you know, I'm not really a Bucks fan, but the Bucks fans can be upset. But we can't discount missing Chris Middleton, okay? Chris Middleton in this series, Chris Middleton in this series would have given them another player okay. who can at least, at the very least, he could have matched up on the defensive end. Okay. Because defensively, defensively, they were, with the exception of Giannis and Drew Holiday, you know, and, and, and to, you know, I, I guess I'm going to put Wes Matthews in there, you know, he, he had he had he, he had a good one nice. good game against him. He had one really good game. Yeah, he, he had some moments in there. Yeah. But the other wing defenders, they really struggled versus the wing players but of the Boston Celtics. Here's why yeah. I can't take the Middleton thing, is because we can do the hypotheticals of if Middleton's playing. But if Rob Williams no, that, was playing, that, that, Paul Teese wouldn't have got that rebound to win the game and the thing. And the more to the point is we're not getting in, we're not getting okay, more. And a Trey Young was I'm not getting into the I'm not I'm not getting into the I, I don't really know how that works, the hypotheticals. What I am saying is the Milwaukee Bucks needed another able body. Whether or not, they, in the end, you got to perform. You have to perform. That's all that matters. And you have to have able bodies. So my expectations can't be the same minus Chris Middleton. That's all I'm saying. I cannot expect Chris Middleton to miss, Grayson Allen to come in, and then firmly expect them to have the same standard of excellence. At some point here, they're going to miss a player of Chris Middleton's caliber, whether it's game one or game seven. Over the course of the series, I'm not saying they even would have won the series. At least he would have been able to at least match up with the other team because Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen were of no, they, they couldn't match up with any wing player whether that was Derek White, that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and um, uh, what's the kid? What's the kid that was making threes here today? I can't even think of his name. Um, Grant Williams. No. Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Peyton Pritchard. They, you know you couldn't a, match up with him. You're in a bad place if they you couldn't. can't match up with Peyton Pritchard, the smallest guy. In That's the what room. I'm saying. They they couldn't match up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when you look at when you look at this. There, there were only two players who could actually match up with their with their team. It was just a bad matchup for them. And it is what it is. So I want to give the Celtics all the credit and make no excuses. They beat the, the, the Bucks fair and square. And let's move on. It's not like uh, whether this guy is here and hypotheticals. Yeah. No, it's it's just it is what it is. Like you haven't heard me say Chris Middleton's name all series. Okay, until today. I haven't mm-hmm. said one thing. And I did that because when you show up to play, you show up to play. Because if he would have won this series, it would have just been another feather in the cap of Giannis because Giannis clearly displayed to me in the first quarter everything I needed to see. What was the? He contributed on every point in the first quarter for you the s- entire team. You sent me a, you sent me this stat earlier. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the first player with 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a playoff series. Since 1946, there's nothing else to say. That's historic. There's nothing else to. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else to say. So, 
let's take our lumps. Giannis did something we've never seen before. You and I watched every game, every minute of this series, and we saw something no one's ever seen before, and he still lost. There's nothing else to say. Great job by the Celtics. Bravo. They made the right plays. They made the right shots. They made the right moves. And let's move on. However, if Giannis can get better players, supporting players, let's start with just one, Chris Middleton, I think it, I think it improves his chances because what we just saw, what we just witnessed, no one's ever done. No one's ever done what he just accomplished here in a seven-game series. Okay, now I have a few things to say. We can complain about the Bucs and break down why they were so bad, but I want to give some credit to Jason Tatum. And I want to tell you this. For me right now, he has solidified himself as a top-five player in the NBA. He's taken on Kevin Durant in the first round, and then he just sent Giannis Antetokounmpo home. For me, Jason Tatum is a top-five player in the NBA. And for me right now, Jason Tatum is the best American player in the National Basketball Association. Okay, all right. What do you want me to say? Do you agree? Well, it, it doesn't have to where I agree. Because you know what? I'm sick and tired now of saying this guy's top four, top five, what have you. What's your impact on winning? Well, he's being... <laughs> just keep Just keep winning, and then we don't have to have these arguments. Just keep winning. Just keep if you win and you carry this thing and you carry it and you then okay, he's a player that impacts winning. Now, can he score? Yes. Can he defend? Yes. Can he is he making is he passing? Yes. Okay. All right. That's great. No problem. But then when you start building a team, okay, which that's what I started, you know, I can't help it. Like I, I look at these games and I go, okay, this is this team. If you just drop these players off, you know, standalone players, like meaning you just took a player and you just drop them somewhere. What's their impact on, on winning? If you just drop them somewhere else, like if you just drop Giannis on the other 29 teams, they all significantly improve. Mm-hmm. I, can you say that about Jason Tatum? Yes. Okay, great. Can you say that about Luca? Yes. Okay. Can you say that about Jokic? Yes. Okay. Now, those are the things I look for. Every in every generation, there's only about two or three of those guys that you could just drop off anywhere. Those are standalone players. A lot of players. You know, some sometimes you get lucky and you find the right pieces with the role players and the star players and the complementary pieces that they need. But I'm talking about a standalone player. See, I, I, I'm past the, the greatest of all time. How many standalone players are there in any given moment in time? Not many. There aren't many of those guys who you can take this guy off this team, pluck him on another team, and he's plus 10. He's plus 10, no matter where he goes. He's wherever you drop him off, you drop him off to Phoenix, they're plus 10. You drop him off to Sacramento, they're plus 10. You drop him off wherever, New Orleans, Orlando, they're plus 10. There aren't many of those guys. That's the difference. So, okay, 
I'm not going to get into scoring and this and that because you know what? It's a different game. It's a different era. But how many standalone guys? If you say, if you can tell me there's five guys, okay, I'll listen. I don't believe it, but okay. You can tell I, I'm, me that. I'm telling you, any of these guys you can put on the Orlando Magic, you get you 10 extra wins in the season. Any of these guys. Okay. I, 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 okay, I'll say it again. How many of these guys you can put them on any of the other 29 teams and they will improve the roster by plus 10? Plus 10, plus 15. How many? I'll give As you, the roster currently is. I'll give you five names off the top. Okay, go for it. Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Luka, Tatum. Okay. And we can keep moving right along. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> BJ's mad tonight because the uh No, I'm uh, not mad. I'm just not BJ, getting into I'm just BJ's not getting mad that tonight. argument. We've been at mad any tonight. given moment, at any given moment, I'll say it again because I, I, I'll listen to you. At any given moment, there's only three, maybe four of those guys in any given generation. I respect what you said, and I respectfully disagree. You know, and we can move right along. The teams. Okay, that's great. You, that's, you're going on the assumption fine. that all 29 teams in the league are consistently the same throughout every single generation. Okay, great. I, I'm I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one alone. Okay. Because when you start when you start building these teams, when you when you start building these teams, this is why teams tank. This is why teams, you know, some teams are built just to get to the first round. Some teams are built. There's only three, maybe four teams that really thought they could make it to the finals this year. This year. Dallas wasn't. I don't think anyone was saying Dallas was a conference finals team. Need the Boston, just like last year, Atlanta. Okay, Boston. I think we at least thought that this team should get to the second round. That's why everyone was kind of disappointed in them. Okay, that's what my my, my personal. That's just when you have a max player, you can't just say we're not a playoff team. You have to at least have the expectation of getting to at least the second round. I think that was fair. That's why they brought, they didn't bring Al Horford to tank. They didn't trade for Derek Wright to tank. Jalen Brown is, Marcus Smart is. There was a lot early on, but now, but how many teams really? thought that they had an opportunity to win. Maybe it was five of them. Maybe, maybe. Well, well, regardless of all of that, two things happened tonight. CPT crumbled in a game seven. He scored the same amount of points as Ish Wainwright in a 40 point loss for the Phoenix Suns. And the Boston Celtics took out the best player in the world and progressed on to the Commonwealth Finals, despite just four months ago being 11th place in the Eastern Conference. It's been a fantastic night. And we're going to be back tomorrow morning. Brian, for you, we should do a little preview of the conference finals that will be getting underway. That's the Golden State Warriors versus the Dallas Mavericks and the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat. BJ, thank you once again for all the wisdom. I hope you get some rest. Oh, no, no uh, wisdom. No it's wisdom. been a stressful no evening for Mr. Armstrong. If you've oh, seen no, how no stressed out he was no with, the, with the Milwaukee Bucks and the way they were playing. And, um, no, I, I, you know, Mo, it's... <laughs> 
you know, I could playing. See, I could see your reactions, right? And every time Grace and Allen got cooked or the Celtic Sean opened three, I could just see BJ hit just slam his fifth or well, two. Well, I, I, oh, I, I can tell you, I could, I could tell you, I could tell you what it is. Is when you're what? Listen, when you're watching a game, it's very hard for me to watch the game, like, like from a like I'm cheering for a team or the perspective of like, hey, I hope what's going on. You start watching the game and you say, okay, Grayson Allen, that's a bad matchup for Jason Tatum. So the correct thing to do is this is a game of matchups. So you find the matchup that allows you to compete to give your chance, give your team a chance to win. Very simple. My, My disappointment was, was I watching a totally different game than what they were watching? Yeah. Because every single time down the floor, the 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 play call was whoever Grayson Allen is guarding, let's bring him to the ball. Whoever Pat Connaughton was guarding, let's bring him to the ball. And let's put these guys in isolation and relocate the big, whoever the big guys guarding Brooke Lopez and get them to the corner. Now I get it. Maybe that works for one game or two games. Great. Maybe it works for a quarter, but when you see this over and over again, Mo, it's concerning to me because if you're coaching your team and your players are giving you maximum effort, everyone has a responsibility to perform when it's time to perform and when the lights come on. If you see this, that Grayson Allen is struggling, he struggled for seven games to defend, which is okay. What are we going to do to support him to where what he doesn't do well doesn't become detrimental to what we're trying to do, which is to win the game? Mo, that's unacceptable. I know. I was watching the same game as you, but I'm not complaining. It's my team. (laughs) That's just unacceptable. I wasn't. I'm not. It's just like, okay, what's he seen, or what are they seeing that the rest of us aren't seeing? And my level of disappointment is when your players are bringing that type of effort. Those guys played hard. Make no doubt about it. But the coach's job is coach has a responsibility too. Put those guys in position. Coach Udoka put his guys in position. Now, you got to perform. That's the X factor. Performance is the X factor here. I was just disappointed because you saw that it was really like either he didn't see it, which is fine, or he had he was coaching his system, which is worse. That is exactly what he was doing. Okay? Which is worse. Because there's no way you don't see it. You're you're sat court side. There's no way you can't see it. There's no way. Mo, you. but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people, okay, that have to take a a look on the tape. That's why you always hear coaches say, I got to look. What happened? I got to take a look at the tape. You hear coaches say it all the time. Mm. (laughs) You hear them say it. All the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you're a head coach in the NBA, you've got to be able to make in-game adjustments. Hey, and that, hey, there is no... Well, let me tell you I'm something. sure there are 30 coaches in the world that can do that. Oh, come on. 
<laughs> no, well, it, it, it takes time. You know, Mo, you know, here, I'll say this. I'll say this. You know, when I first came in the league into when I left the league, I, I began to have a trained eye of what to see. It takes time to do that. It takes time to do that. Okay. And that's, you know, Coach Udoka, like for instance, this is, he's a first year head coach. You know what was the most impressive thing about what he did tonight? His ability to have timeouts mm, when the other ti- teams made a run. His timing of them. Mm, okay. Now, that takes time. Especially Every when, coach has his strengths and every coach has his weaknesses. Especially when... For him to be a first-year head coach, I'm thoroughly impressed with his ability, especially at this level in these big moments. And it's not just when the other team was making a run. For time months. It was when the Celtics offense was starting to bog down and become isolation heavy. He would call a timeout and get them to continue moving the ball again. Okay. And... You know, just the timing I, I, of them and the flow of the game, the way that he managed I, that. I, I, I give him and, and that Mo. That that takes time. Normally, you see coaches begin to get a better feel for that type of situation. They've been in a couple of battles. They learn from their mistakes. Could have maybe I should have called a timeout to break the rhythm. He has a feel. That's a trained eye. You, that's just not a mistake. That's something he's learned. And yeah, he's, he's now, been on the bench with Greg Popovich at the Spurs. He was on the bench at Brooklyn last year. He's on the bench in Philly as well. So he's he's been around understand. as a head coach. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, credit to him for stepping uh, up. And, and yeah. Dallas's head coach is a first year head coach, not first year, but it's his first year in that job. Who's this? The Dallas coach, Jay Kidd. Oh no, Jason Kidd. But this is his third job. His oh third yeah, but, job. but the first two were horrendous. Well, but you learn. Yeah. The, see. C- the one thing about coaching is the best thing that can happen to you as a coach is for you to learn how to fail, just like a player. The best thing you can learn, the, the, my greatest lessons as a former player were when the coach took me out of the game. The bench is the best teacher. That's the best teacher. Lose, you, when everyone wins, everyone's singing the praise. The best teacher, and you want to find out who's who, is when you lose. Mm. So Jason Kidd, his extent in 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 Dallas, I mean not Dallas, his stint in uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee. Okay, he goes to L.A. as a as assistant. an assistant coach. Hey, give him credit. And the Lakers are crumbled coaches, since he left. Coincidence or not? <laughs> well, we're, we're, I I don't look for heroes. I I know that these are teams. And when you have a team, you take on the responsibility in helping to build out a team. Jason Kidd has some terrific assistant coaches around him. And last, when he was with the Lakers, I thought he did a terrific job as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is what's allowing him. You could see how he's grown as a coach. You could see it. So, you know, and it helps, you know. As a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a good friend of mine used to say, I'm a pretty good coach when I got a great player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let, let's, let's, let's all put our egos and how smart we are to the side. I'm a pretty good coach, Mo, when I have a great player. Well, there was a great I mean, player we, there today who got sent home in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, um, hey. and, that, and that was all she wrote. We're going to wrap up another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Uh, we're going to be back here every day this week. And like I said before, 
if you guys want to watch the games with us, stay tuned to Twitter because we're going to be giving you more information about that so you can get our breakdowns and analysis live and direct as the games unfold. BJ, which one are you most excited for? East or West? Conference Finals. Well, one I, I'm most interested in is because I have no idea is the West. Mm, I mean, I, I don't know be. what to expect. I, I don't know what to expect. Like, okay, you know, Golden State, they shoot threes. They, they It's like a barrage of threes. And then you're saying, well, you're watching this Dallas team and you're saying they're going to shoot threes. And who, how are they going to match up? You know, you, you know, Steve Kerr and company are going to put together a game plan that's going to look totally different than what you saw yep. there in yep. Phoenix. Well, I, I okay. hope so. I hope they ain't a 40 point blowout in the Conference Finals. Right. We'll, we'll dive into right. that tomorrow. We'll dive into it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm interested in that one. Yeah. It's an exciting one for sure. The East as well. That's fascinating to me. I want to give a quick shout out before we go to Ronan O'Callaghan, who watched three games of this series, the Boston Celtics versus the Bucks, and the Celtics lost the three games that he watched. And the games he didn't watch, the Boston Celtics won. So he purposely did not watch Game 7. Ronan, I thank you for your sacrifice. I appreciate you. There's always those weird little superstitions. I, once again, was wearing this T-shirt that I got last time I was at the Garden. And so far, the Celtics are undefeated on days that I wear it. All these weird little superstitions that mean absolutely nothing, but they're fun and part of the game. So until next time, our peoples have a great week. As BJ just told you, there's always lessons in failure. So if you fail this week, don't put your head down. There's always a lesson in there. And if you failed to subscribe to this podcast, though, that's a big failure. There's no lesson in there. Subscribe, follow, leave a review. And until tomorrow, get buckets.